Bloody Good Film Podcast! Welcome to a podcast about the only two genres of film that matter. Action and horror! I'm your host, Jesse. With me, as always, our birthday bro, Josh. This is the Bloody Good Film Podcast, and today we are celebrating not only the start of December, it's also Josh's birthday. Happy birthday, Josh! Well, it'll be my birthday when this drops, so... Oh, way, to, way to ruin the illusion. Everybody can wish me a happy birthday on the actual birthday if they feel like it. I, 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 I'm not a big birthday person. I just like going with themes for the episodes. But like honestly, once we run out of, I think, the four birthday movies that we can figure <laughs> out for this podcast, I'm going to want to add a just keep going all Christmas for December because I love Christmas horror. And I feel like my birthday is doing a disservice to the podcast by showing up in December. Yeah, see, my birthday's in May. Like, we don't have anything planned. It's easy to slip a birthday episode. You just, like, ruin all of December. Like, we're doing, normally, I guess this one, we're only doing two Christmas movies for December, which sucks because there's so much good Christmas, especially horror. Well, it was you who wanted to start the first episode of the podcast, like, right on the new year. So it ended up that we have to do our one year in December, too. So, like, the two best holidays for horror uh, happen to be uh, in October and December are like the the two months that you really want to get the best horror movies, and uh, we fucked up December. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, at least this one we're starting off with a slasher, which I feel like is pretty spot on for your birthday. I feel like if well, we were doing a birthday movie for you, I feel like you would want to be in an eighty slasher. Well, I, I, slasher is my favorite. If, if we were like strictly horror. Yes, that would be the subgenre for me. I am a little bit more of an action guy, but slashers are my absolute favorite kind of horror to talk about, or just to watch. I mean, none of my top five happen to be slashers, but like, uh, <laughs> but like, if you're going for like comfort horror that you just want to like sit back and relax, slashers nothing beats that. But and, uh, and to okay. celebrate Josh's birthday, we are doing happy birthday to me which is a 1981 slasher that I had never seen. Have you ever seen it? No, no. We went over this last episode. I have never seen it. I've been meaning to see it for a while. I've heard podcasts on it, but like, luckily uh, my memory's terrible. So like <laughs> I get like an idea of like, this sounds good, but I couldn't remember all the twists and turns. Plus there's a lot of fucking names in this. So after a, a while, I was just like, it's, like, hopefully this doesn't turn into this. A bunch of people. We're going to give archetypes. We're not going to focus too much on names. Maybe like uh, we'll drop in a Virginia or or an Anne or something like that. But like, there's a top ten in this, and I I can't keep track of all these people. They're, they're no. all like boring white people, except except for Anne. Anne's beautiful, but uh, <laughs> other, other than other than other than Anne, nobody really stood out for me. 
Now, before we get into the movie and all those names that we're going to definitely butcher and definitely make up halfway through the episode, which is how we normally do it anyway, um, I think there's something we got to talk about, Josh. So by now, everyone's already seen the One Chip Challenge video that we posted showing you eating the Pocky Chip after your loss from Stallone versus Arnold. Yeah, and, and that that video only showed like the smallest portion of my of my torture on that. I was a little bit confident on the episode before we had done that about how <laughs> like I could take heat. It's one chip. I was feeling this chip three days later. That one fucking chip. I found. I, I read up afterwards. I don't know if it's actually true, but they say you're supposed to do it on like a full stomach so it doesn't like completely take you out. I had had like a couple of beers beforehand, and that was it. So like. <laughs> that that chip stuck in my stomach like we, we you saw the footage and like it's hot that seemed bad but like it seemed like it was calming down like i was playing this we, we were doing board game night or whatever at your house and i was playing the games like no problem then suddenly like 20 minutes later i'm starting to feel a little bit of heat I'm like oh, it's just a little bit of heat that's gonna happen i'll shit it out tomorrow and then the heat <laughs> like just like in my mouth the heat keeps growing only is there's nothing i could do to make it go down so like i decide to leave and then, like, I'm driving home, like, I live 50 fucking minutes away from you with no traffic. <laughs> so I, I, I suddenly realized I'm not going to fucking make it. I pulled into, like, the movie theater parking lot, like, that cheap movie theater parking lot that's pretty close to your house. I pulled into <laughs> there and just, like, I ended up throwing up on this. Like, I, I threw up a little bit on my door. And then I, <laughs> I threw up, like on my hands and knees in front of my car. It's just like burning red hot heat. I think I'm good. Drive home. And then like I get home, suddenly my stomach realizes that it's near a toilet. Need to throw up this heat again. And that's when the girl that I'm talking about starts texting me. And she's texting me like about a, uh, like a real fucking problem that's going on with her. And I'm like, I'm having problems that I caused to myself. <laughs> But I'm try- trying to be there for her while I'm throwing up fire. So it's just like throwing, oh, that's so, that's terrible. I can't believe it is. And then just like while in between me doing the throw up. And then the next day, I think everything's fine. I'm going to go out for breakfast. And it's just like dune in, in my stomach and the spice must flow. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I realize I can't leave the fucking house. For the whole day, because every single time I try, like the spice just hits me again. So, like, you guys, you you lucked out. You you lucked out that people didn't listen to my arguments and that Arnold won. Because uh, uh, we've decided that this is that the heat challenges are going to be a one year thankful for action. No, not an, an annual thankful for action November event. So next year we'll have a heat challenge for that. We're not going to do all of our challenges with heat because I can't do that every single fucking month. Or however often we come up with these fucking challenges. (laughs) The video really doesn't do it justice. Like I was cutting the video and I was like trying to pick and choose parts that like showed your different levels of life. Like you started off like, okay, it's pretty good. And then you hit like a wall where you're like, okay, that was a little hot. And then like two or three minutes, you're like, I'm going to make it at least five minutes, which I think is like the the little girly one at the bottom. It's like five minutes. I, I don't think I made two minutes. I think you did I made it. You, like a minute 40. You made it like a minute and a half. And well, then you no, started drinking little, your milk. I was, late, I was a little late in the timer on, so I'm rounding it up to a minute 40. 
And then by like the time like four minutes hit, like you had already drank like a glass of milk and a water. Like you owe me a gallon of milk, by the way. I, yeah, I went through like three uh, big ass glasses of milk and then some water. And then when I got home, the thing that finally got my stomach to stop like killing me so I could finally pass out and go to bed was I got a whole fucking big Thanksgiving size loaf of the Hawaiian bread. I ate the whole fucking thing of that. <laughs> it just absorbed the fire that was in your belly. <laughs> it was all that calmed it. It was honestly I had no idea it was gonna be I I I think I'm good with spice most of the time. Like I, I anything turns me red. I like if if I think about like a tit for like a second i'll turn red like my, my my body just automatically turns red over anything so like my body's feeling good when i'm eating spicy wings but i'm turning red no matter what but uh with this it was just torture it was it was like i think i finally understand women with childbirth though because like the the <laughs> originally that night i was like i'm never doing this again this is a one-time thing for it. and then after i'm over it like okay maybe next year we can do it so it's like I, I've got. So I finally understand like women who who have had like a second child after they've gone through so much pain. Like they kind of want to do it again. Like I'm up for it again next year just because uh, I know what I've been through. But I, I I hopefully next year I win the fucking bet. Doubt it. But the best part, like you left, like you left game night, like before it really even started, like we had ordered wings, which in hindsight probably wouldn't have been a good idea for you to stay around for anyway. I wasn't even touching that. The wings had gotten there when I left. It was like, fuck this shit. (laughs) So you left and like we ate our food, we started playing our games and then like 20, 30 minutes after you left, we're like, we should probably check on Josh and make sure he didn't die on the way home. I almost sideswiped somebody going into the parking lot from the movie theater. Like, like my brain was not working at that point. I was like in emergency mode. <laughs> so, like, yeah, there was there was a next year if we do this. We're, we're we're recording video now. I'll do it where I'm like right. It, it well, if you we'll be doing it from the safety of our own homes. I like that you're already preparing your exit strategy for when you lose an another inevitable bet next year. I'm not losing. I'm gonna like. I, I, I come from the underdog bets, but I still stand by them. I don't go with what the internet has memed into culture to believe is right. I go for where my heart should be. All right, Josh. Well, I really do appreciate you sticking by your bet. I appreciate you going for it and just shoving the whole chip in your mouth at once. Well, that's a, it's the one chip challenge. It's not the one nibble challenge. I've seen people like take a bite of the chip and say they're fucking done. No, I'm like, when you lose next year, you're going to do the whole fucking chip. If, if you take a bite, I'm going to shove it in your mouth. I'm going to shove the rest of the chip in your mouth. You just said we're doing it virtually, so I'm unsure you're going to reach through this. I will drive. Like ring. It's not like I don't know where you live. <laughs> like you'll be, you'll be sleeping. You'll be thinking that you're okay, and then like you're like, I only had like a slight tummy ache because I only took a bite, and then all then you'll wake up because I'm slamming a chip in your mouth. <laughs> all right, Josh. Anything catch your eye this week while you were hurling over the toilet? Well, not while I was hurling in the toilet. Unfortunately, uh, my phone doesn't do well underwater. But uh, <laughs> did you see that Nicolas Cage is going to be playing Dracula in the new Renfield movie? <laughs> yeah, I did. And I was like, as soon as I read the casting, I was like, well, we're definitely going to talk about this on the podcast. 
we're going to have to do it. I've actually never seen vampires kiss, but I've seen enough clips of it to know that it's a fucking amazing movie. I think it's gotta be at the very least close enough to genre that we could cover it. And we could, we like, we should do those as a, as like a double feature vampires kiss as uh, well, Dracula or Renfield will be the prequel to vampires kiss. I'm guessing. I have no idea. You know my thoughts on vampire movies. They're always very yeah, low on my list. You love them. <laughs> I don't. Dude, we, we've had this conversation before. We have come up with a bunch of vampire movies that you like. You, you, you it got tainted by the Twilight movies, but uh, <laughs> but uh, vampire movies are fucking awesome when they're done right. Yeah, it, it's whatever. Like I'll see it when it comes out. The I the dawn isn't fucking no isn't fucking incredible blade isn't fucking incredible dracula movies suck there's not a single good adaptation with the character of dracula and i'm including blade 3 in that i love blade 3 what why even with the snipes hates blade 3 <laughs> blade 3 is a blast dude because i actually think that blade 3 is a good movie no it isn't like the action sequences suck uh ryan reynolds and jessica beale had to take center stage because wesley snipes wouldn't come out of his fucking trailer is all he <laughs> wanted to do was smoke pot and play video games and evade taxes <laughs> well yeah that too <laughs> but unlike vampires taxes can come out in the daytime <laughs> but like i've read dracula the book it fucking sucked. I've seen the, is it uh, Bella Lugosi was the original? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boring as fuck. I like the Frankenstein movie from back then. So it's not like I hate all the universal monsters, just him and his fucking stupid uh, haircut, which my <laughs> hairline naturally goes that way too. Uh, I, I can't take it. It's, it's boring as fuck. It's a guy talking funny and like sucking blood. Even the Gary Oldman one sucks, except for like the only part that's entertaining is Keanu Reeves accent. <laughs> like it's not one of the characters i get excited for like even that crappy mummy movie that they did a couple years ago i never saw it still kind of got excited for it because i like the mummy dracula never really draws me in like there's nothing about dracula that i go oh man i gotta go see the new dracula movie however nicholas cage as dracula especially like this nicholas cage like early career nicholas cage before he kind of embraced his over the top cage wait 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 wait! he was always over the top <laughs> did you see raising arizona that's early cage he's fucking weird as hell i think and, he'll do great like, uh, what's that one movie where he did with michael bain uh fuck I, i'm blank i think i i'm blanking on the name but he just like comes out with like the stupid fucking mustache and just like <laughs> fuck only 20 seconds longer than that like he's been crazy his entire career i don't know what the fuck you're talking about he's just like gone into horror a little bit more now than he used to i think he'll do great dude if there's anyone that's gonna fully buy into dracula and do his own version of dracula it's got to be cage and i'd imagine his version of dracula is nuts i'm just hoping they lean into his strengths because uh, nicholas cage is one of my favorite actors, but he makes a lot of bad movies, and it's because they don't lean into his strengths. Like uh, I've seen a lot of his direct to DVD, or uh, I'm going completely old school, direct to streaming uh, movies, and they suck because they're not they're not letting him out of his cage. They're, they're restraining him, and restrained cage doesn't work. So like if if they go balls to the wall crazy, which Nicholas Hulse 
is playing uh, Renfield, and I liked him in Mad Max. He knows to go out there. Yeah. So like, if they go balls to the wall crazy with both these guys, I think it could be a great movie. The director is the guy that did Lego Batman. <laughs> okay, I love Lego Batman. Though. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And I know the writers. There's like writers from Rick and Morty attached. Oh, Rick and Morty, right? Mm-hmm. They could be going about this the right way. Then. So like everything, like I'm hearing is like okay, this might be like off the rails. And if we get like an off the rails Dracula movie, it, it could be the first good could, Dracula movie. It could definitely be the first good Dracula movie. It could definitely be amazing. Well, I've never seen Dracula 3000. So maybe that, maybe that's why I, I still don't think have. that's the one. <laughs> it, it, I'll bet it's like this Nicholas Cage. Well, it's still a Renfield movie, which is a good angle. Like we haven't even gone off on that. Like I've read the book Renfield. Like we get him, uh, when he's already fucking crazy. It's not like the, the Liam Neeson, Dracula, dead and loving it, where Renfield comes to the castle <laughs> at the beginning. It's like he's already eating bugs when we're first introduced to him. And, like, I, I, I do like – like, there's ideas in Dracula. That like, there's, like – I think there was talk about a movie that showed uh, his transportation from uh, Transylvania to uh, wherever the fuck it takes place. I can't remember. But like on the ship and like everybody gets bled out on the ship. And that would be a cool movie. There's like moments of awesomeness. But I read the book and like the book was like they, they'd have like chapters and chapters and paragraphs and paragraphs of like uh, Van Helsing practically sucking people off with how great everybody is. His compliments left and right. And then they do like a line and you'll miss it of actual horror happening in it. So like for the most I, I fucking hated that book. It was the most boring thing I ever forced myself to go through like compliment 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 if you squint you'll see here a little bit about blood and then compliment compliment like i don't i don't understand this like again i'm gonna go back to old school horror the frankenstein book by mary shelley fucking fantastic it's probably like the best classic horror book i've read i love mary shelley's frankenstein dracula sucks you're not gonna have any arguments for me saying that dracula in general is a pretty sucky character it was so bad. Like, you remember, like, our first episode, we couldn't remember Bella Lugosi's name? Like, we remembered a lot of the other monsters. We talked about all the original Universal, and then we could not think of his name. Like, that's that should show how we feel about Dracula. I mean, I'm sure he was a fine... Well, he didn't even... He didn't speak English, so, like, he acted as best as he could phonetically. And, <laughs> like, I guess that's fine. I don't know. It's a boring character. Like, I... I like the cape. I'll give him that. I like the cape, but King Di- it's the King Diamond-like cape, he, he got, that's what I associate it with. I know Dracula started, but King Diamond made it his own. So, like, Dracula is wearing a King Diamond cape from my from my point of view. But uh, anything else catch your eye this week? I, I think there was something that you wanted to talk about that uh, I hate this director. So let's, let's dig into it. <laughs> yeah, I know you love to hate on Guillermo del Toro. And... <laughs> One, I like to bring it up anytime because I like hearing you pronounce his name. It makes me very happy. Guillermo del Boro. <laughs> I'm not even trying anymore. Fuck him. <laughs> like, like if I respected him, well, if I respected his work, I, I would like. This is somebody that I'm a fan of. I, I gotta perfect his name. I would go on to like all the like Googles and shit and like figure it out oh, phonetically, like Bella Lugosi. But uh, Bella Lugosi's like four syllables. <laughs> No, he he learned to act phonetically because he didn't speak English. That's what I was getting at. Come the fuck on, <laughs> keep up with the conversation. But like, I I I like Blade too, and I think that's about it. You're just a hater. Like Guillermo del Toro, 
I will admit, he's got some pretty not great movies in his repertoire. But his filmography is great as far as his hits. He's got some misses, but he has a lot of hits. And all of his movies are visually stunning. That I, I will agree with. Like, I, I took a date to see Crimson Peak. And I'm like, Ugh. this is the most boring piece of shit I've ever seen. But it looks really good. Yeah, that, that one's not great. But uh, we're not talking about Crimson Peak. We're talking about Nightmare Alley, which is coming out, which is a remake. So because apparently he ran out of his own ideas. <laughs> this one's pretty down to earth for him, all things considered. Like there's no weird fairies. There's no like houses made of blood. Like there's no just like weird, crazy Guillermo del Toro type things. Like there's nothing that's going in his art museum with this one, at least that you can see based on the trailer. Like it, it does look circusy, but like. Bradley Cooper's playing. I'm pretty sure he's a con artist with the this psychic thing. I don't think he actually has psychic powers, which is a plus for me, if if that's how it turns out. Because uh, I prefer seeing charlatans shown in movies instead of constantly showing people that actually have ghostly abilities. Because uh, like we need that in in the zeitgeist too. We don't just need everybody getting verified. That that's a skeptic from me saying like fuck all these psychics, fuck all these Miss Cleo wannabes. And Bradley <laughs> Cooper's the newest of the Miss Cleos, but at least he's shown early on that he's a Miss Cleo instead of uh, whatever famous psychics are in a movie. I can't think of one right now. I think the cast, like looking at the cast alone, like this has potential, if not to be like a good, I'm gonna say horror movie because I don't think this is technically a horror movie. I, I read up on it. It's a neo-noir thriller with horror elements, according to Del Toro. Which is, that's how I, I should never say his first name. I can say Del Toro just <laughs> fine. It's like Del Taco and then Toro, Toro, Toro. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess technically that's what it is. But it's got Bradley Cooper, who's a good actor. Like we've seen him act and we've seen him be really, really good in a couple parts of his. He made me believe he's a fucking raccoon. So yeah, great <laughs> yeah, actor. That's the pinnacle of his acting. It's not American Sniper, it's Rocket Raccoon. I have American Sniper, but I still think of him as Rocket Raccoon. Didn't we go see American Sniper together? I don't think so. I'm pretty we, sure we, we did. We may have. We may have. <laughs> like you're my only friend that gives a shit about movies, so like maybe. <laughs> but like Bradley Cooper's in it, Rooney Mara is in it. She's good. I don't know who the fuck Rooney Mara oh. I have the Wikipedia open. I'll just like click up and see the picture anyway. <laughs> like Kate Blanchett. No, I have no idea who she is. She's in the social network, apparently. Which is a great I movie. Never saw Not in our podcast. I never saw great. the Facebook movie. Who gave a fuck about the Facebook movie? Is that but, where you know her from? Yeah, that's where I know oh, her from. Piece of shit. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously one of my favorite actors, Willem Dafoe, is in it. Ron Perlman's in it. Like, there's a lot of people that I like in this movie. Ron Perlman's why this happened. He he gave uh, Guillermo del Toro the book, so and then uh, he decided to make this movie, even though this movie already existed in 1947. But uh, yeah, oh Mary Steenberger, <laughs> shit, I can't say her fucking name, but I like her. <laughs> yeah, like it looks good. She's a hot older lady, but uh, I like yeah. the setting for this one. Like I, I'm interested in the setting. I like kind of like these 1940s, 1950s, like cop kind of drama type things. Like I like that aesthetic. Like it's aesthetically pleasing to me. I like uh, the setting of it being seemingly at a circus or whatever. But I hate. Oh, I don't hate, but I mostly don't like period pieces. Like uh, his movie Shape and Water. If he, if she had been fucking that fish 
in today time, I might be able to come around on this movie. But uh, fucking the fish in 1947, that's old hat. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to see that fish come out in like a zoot suit or whatever. I, I need to be able to relate to that fish. Did you ever see Shutter Island with uh, Leonardo no. DiCaprio? No. I, I figured out the twist from the previews and then went on Wikipedia. I'm like, yeah, I was right about it. So I never decided. You're the worst type it. of person. You you are the worst. Like, oh, I figured this twist out. And then I went on Wikipedia to see. You're you're, the, you're a terrible human being. Well, if you, if you choose it for a movie, we can talk about it. But Shutter Island looked boring as shit. It's, so a little, had... it's a little boring, but when I watched the trailer for this one, I kind of got a similar vibe. And I remember yeah. liking Shutter Island when it came out. Not so much now on rewatch a couple of years later. But, you know, I'll go see this one. Like I said, I'm a big Guillermo del Toro fan. Like, I went to his art exhibit when he had it here in L.A., and that was incredible. Well, an art exhibit from him would be cool. Like, I saw a YouTube tour of his house before. He has so much cool horror stuff in yeah. there that, like... Like I, I would hang with Del Toro. I would just would keep my opinions close to the vest. Like if he ever went went up to you, like, so what'd you think of Hellboy? Like, so what's that over there? He did the good Hellboy though. No, he did the shit Hellboy. Didn't he do the, the good, good Hellboy? No, he did the shitty ones with Ron Perlman. That's why he knew Ron Perlman to give him the script. The Dave Harbor one that everybody hated was the good one. Oh, I, I don't honestly, know why you're second guessing me on this. I know this shit. That's I, I just told you in this in this that uh, Ron Perlman gave him the book that he based this fire alley shit on. <laughs> so like Nightmare Alley. There we go. There was fire in the trailer, which is what caught my attention on the fire alley. There, I did like there was like an electricity thing that we saw for like two seconds in the trailer. Like, OK, something interesting is happening there on all of these movies. There's like an interesting scene somewhere in him he just doesn't know how to make that five minutes last into interesting throughout the whole thing so like that that electricity scene where the the woman's doing some electricity act that's probably really cool the rest of the movie's probably boring as shit and they put the time for how long is this if wikipedia is accurate this movie's 139 minutes that's not surprising that's too fucking long for this shit that is a long movie. And the older I get, it's harder to get into two and a half hour movies. Like when I was younger, it wasn't a big deal. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, I'll go waste a whole Friday night and watch this. But that's a long time for a movie. But his movies are always long. That's one of his things. If they can justify it, I don't mind. I'm I'm, I'm still okay with long movies if they can justify it. I love the new Dune movie, for example. It was a pretty long movie. But uh, his aesthetics over a decent script thing that he loves to do does not work for me. I don't know. We'll see how it is. I think it's coming out later this month. So we'll have to, if it fits in the theme enough, we'll have to do it at some point. I definitely want to do Del Toro. I want to do Kronos. I think Kronos would be great. I'm trying to get my wife to come on and do Kronos. I've been wanting to see Kronos. Like it's been on my watch list for a while, despite the fact that it's Del Toro. I feel like him on a lower budget would be better. Like there's those, there are some directors that when they get money, they have too much money to let their creativity shine. And that's not what they need. They need to have like restrictions that they can work around to make things work. So like, I think restrained Del Toro when he's trying really hard without the budget, when he has to do like be creative to think around the angles, I think that would be good. But this, this guy that can do whatever the fuck he wants because studios are throwing money at him. It sucks. I mean, studios are throwing monies at him because he's winning Academy Awards <laughs> multiple because, times. Like, he makes good he, movies. You just don't like his movies. Like, his movies are because great. Because he, he, he makes uh, 
Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas into every single one of his movies. He makes <laughs> he makes horror movies for the family to watch. So yeah, he Pacific he had, Rim. He How has, do you not like Pacific he Rim? Mass, he has mass appeal. I'll give okay. Pacific Rim's cool, but just like put <laughs> giant monsters in front of my face, and I'll probably like it. But fuck you. He he gets okay. He gets two passes. Blade Two and Pacific Rim. He couldn't even <laughs> stick around for the second movie. He had to get somebody else to do it. Apparently, it sucks, but. We'll have to do both the Pacific Rooms because I haven't seen the second one. It'll be fun. I saw the first one in IMAX, and that was like the coolest experience ever. Um, I saw the second one not in IMAX. Wasn't impressed as much. I saw I saw the first one in a cheap theater. Never saw the second one. I haven't watched it since I saw it in the cheap theater. I own it. I own a, a, a Blu-ray of it. I got it on a Black Friday like years ago. Never opened up and watched it. Probably because my TV is too fucking small to give it justice. <laughs> I hope it, it, it holds up, but I can't even remember. How old is Pacific Rim? It's like 2016? Uh, yeah, probably. Let me see. Yeah, I had it up a little while ago. That's 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 a fucking long time ago. 2013? Hold up. Oh, 2013? Fuck. I'm like a completely different person from who I was in 2013. Like, Yeah, but 20- you still like big giant monsters fighting each other. You don't outgrow that. 2022 josh might not like this shit <laughs> he might just, he, he might go like oh this is another stupid guillermo del toro movie this fucking sucks i don't know i think if we do some rewatches and really get into some of these del toro movies i think you'll change your tune a little bit i i i, I hope i will like i i do like shitting on things but i've i've been honest when i've turned around on things i went so much of my life Hated fucking Monty Python, and then I finally uh, rewatched uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail as an adult. And I fucking loved that movie. I was angry that I loved that movie because, like, fuck, I, I got one less thing I can complain about, and I love to complain. But uh, I, I love that movie, so I, I'll keep it honest. If my if my opinion changes on any of this shit, I will admit on the podcast that I was wrong. <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, let's get into our opinions on this movie. Happy birthday to me, even though it's technically your birthday. So I guess you should say that. Happy birthday to me, motherfucker. Crawford Academy, where black leather gloves are fashionable and everyone talks like serial killers. Virginia, the school. Wait, oh. Shit, that was terribly written. Start Do you not proofread these before you say them on the podcast? No, I don't. Okay, at Crawford Academy, where black leather gloves are fashionable and everybody talks like serial killers, Virginia, the elite, the elite group of the top ten at her school, is getting ready for her birthday. Though as the date gets closer, more and more the top ten are disappearing, and Virginia could be the next of victim of the oh it's you killer. That was awful. I know what the fuck. Like we've been doing this a year now. Like I expect a little bit higher quality. That was like episode four, Josh. Man, like I don't. Here, here's here's what I actually put there without me trying to edit it in my head. Virginia of the school's elite clique. Oh, actually, that did make sense. I shouldn't have been editing. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> wow, 
Yeah, I didn't need to proofread because that was fine. We went like a whole half hour of shitting on Del Toro, basically. <laughs> and I've been drinking a little bit. In that whole half hour, you've lost your ability to read and proofread, apparently, while you're reading. Well, it didn't need proofread. It was perfectly fine. It's basically Virginia's birthday is coming up. She's of the top 10 group in her class, which is a weird thing that I don't think would really happen in a in a school. And her friends are getting picked off one by one for reasons. And everybody seems to know who the killer is because as soon as they see the killers, like, oh, it's you. Like I had I had the one good line with the, with the black gloves because you see the black gloves brought to attention in the killing scenes. And then like, Everybody has a pair of fucking black gloves to the point where, like, now this is a red herring on every... Like, this whole school is nothing but red herrings. <laughs> and, like, it's such a weird friends group. Like, it's a, the top ten, which is a terrible name. Maybe that's where uh, MySpace ripped it off with their top eight. Was it, was it top eight? Uh, yeah, I it thought was top it was eight. top ten. No, was, I mean, unless you, you had two more had friends. Eight. I only well, had eight. I barely well, had six. Like, I don't, I don't remember. MySpace was so long ago. And I don't remember yesterday. So it, it might have been a top eight. Uh, let's see. Were you we logging into your MySpace? Yeah, yes, it was a top eight. I was we very much into MySpace. Features, I, will, I will give you the credit for that. But like this, this movie was goofy. I'm going to say that. Like I, As a slasher, like I love slashers. But I wish we could have watched this one as a group together. Because this one was just like ridiculous from, from the very first kill in the movie. Which happens when the credits are kind of going Bernadette is like the first scare is her tripping over a dog leash. That's just going around her like Indiana Jones's bullwhip. <laughs> like, okay. And it turns out, Oh, it's just a dog. And then she gets to her car and somebody starts choking her. And like, that would have made sense for the kill. She gets out of the car somehow and she runs three feet away and stops. <laughs> My favorite part about that is like she's getting choked in her car and like rather than like fight the guy off and try to get free, she plays dead and just goes limp. And then as soon as he like starts loosening his noose, that's when she bolts out of the car, goes five feet and then for some reason stops like this guy's not going to be chasing her. Like she's still within arm's reach of the car. Well, like the 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 plain dead instead of fighting thing makes sense. He's behind the seat. She can't get any leverage on him to attack back. Like throwing your heart, your arm behind your back isn't really going to do anything to somebody that can get you from behind and has all the leverage. That made sense. A victim plain dead is almost kind of smart enough as long as the killer's not smart enough to go like, I better like stab her a couple times <laughs> just to be sure. But uh, she did like the smartest thing that she could do. At that moment. And then she ran three feet away from the car and stopped. And I was like, why did she stop? Like, she wasn't, like, trying to get away. Like, there was no one chasing her. She, like, got out of one car and then just, like, posted up next to it and just kind of creeped and waited. Like, what are you waiting for? She could see the car door getting opened. Like, the backseat car door getting opened up from where she was at. If you could see where the killer's coming at, you're still too fucking close. <laughs> and then, again, she fights off the killer's arm from the car because that's how close she was he was able to reach her from the car she then like runs out a couple more feet and's like oh and then all of a sudden gets her neck slashed no 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 she says she does the oh it's you because this is a mystery for us <laughs> like honestly 
if, if, if you just happen to appear in front of me and go, oh, hey, Jesse, I want to go. I, I, I have never in my entire life done a, oh, it's you. But I, this is this is a trope that I absolutely love in movies when they need to keep it a mystery and people start talking like they would never talk in real life. <laughs> it's, it's a trope I absolutely love. So, like, I know this is fucking stupid, but I... I I love this first scene. I don't give a fuck about how stupid it is. Part of my love of slasher movies is like, every, like everybody makes fun of how stupid people are. Like, oh, they should have gone out the front door or all that kind of shit. Like, for me, it's hilarious. They didn't go out the front door. I don't want to victim blame in real life. But in, in slasher movies, you get to victim blame left and right. And it's cathartic. <laughs> my favorite instance of the, oh, it's you, is the kill with the weights. The guy's like in his room, like pumping iron. He's like on the weight bench and like he's at like full workout. And then the door opens and he goes, oh, it's you. And then doesn't acknowledge, doesn't say name, doesn't say, oh, how so and so? How was your class? None of that nonsense. He's like, why don't you throw some more weights on there? And then I was like, what? I never once have I been in an interaction with someone and they go, oh, it's you. And then refuse to acknowledge anything about me personally. Like. Yeah, there should have been like a back and forth that he was carrying on like a monologue about, hey, our friends group is getting kind of ripped apart. It's getting kind of weird, which these people never should have been friends in the first place. Like they're acknowledged as like this really elite group of friends and they fucking don't fit in at all. They seem to hate each other from the first scene. But whatever. I love that kind of shit. Like I know people complain about they want victims where they can root for them, but I don't fucking care. I'm of that variety that I like the killer's just killing people but the thing that's best about that scene is that death was a hundred percent preventable i've been in that situation before because they're like i used to have you can't tell from my arms because there's no muscle (laughs) but like i used to have a weight set in my room and i've been in that situation where i've lifted too much and couldn't get back on the rack and nobody was there you know what i did i was able to slide it back over my head like mine was stuck on the chest yeah i I had to like slide it over but he could have fucking just dropped the fucking weights behind his head instead he lets the killer drop it on his fucking crotch which (laughs) Made me laugh so much. Like I think he stuffed a little bit. So you're like, there's a little bit of something here for the ladies, or there was, and then she or I gave it away with the sheet, dropped it on the fucking crotch. Well, like she's behind him, and like she just slowly, like he's lifting the weights up, and it's too heavy of a weight for him apparently because he's really shaking. Like as soon as he does it, and she just kind of pulls like the top of the weight bench, so he can't re-rack the weights. So rather than like tilt the weights to the side which is how they teach you to do it if you can't do it or the josh way you know wrist smashing your neck and just trying to get it over your head um he decides that he's just gonna hold the weights there he was 110 percent convinced that she was just playing with him it was gonna put the rack back so he could re-rack him but no she gets the 25 pound weight and just holds it above his crotch and at this point he's still just holding the weights like, I understand, ha, 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 yeah. that might be funny. You're putting your weights above my crotch. But just in the off chance you drop that weight on my crotch, I'm trying to get those weights out of my hand as quickly just as possible. Bring it to the fucking chest and you can roll it off of you at that point. Like, I, I, the guy's a fucking idiot. He deserved to die. <laughs> he just locked his arms. His arms were super stiff. He was shaking. He wasn't moving anywhere. And she just drops the weights on his dick. <laughs> and then he drops the weights on his neck. Such a fun kill. Yeah, honestly, there were some fun kills in this movie. This movie's stupid and fucking ridiculous. 
I'm kind of giving away that I th- I kind of liked it, but uh, I think I'm I'm going back and forth between this kill and uh, I think it was Tian's kill, which Tian was an interesting character. I want to go into him before we go into his kill. Like they had done uh, this road race thing, he saw uh, Virginia, our main character going into a graveyard, which apparently she lives right next to the graveyard where her mother is buried because she can skip and just end up over there. (laughs) But he follows her, and then, like, she hears somebody, and it ends up being Tien, who grabbed... Which stupid fucking name. Nobody's named Tien, but he... he Isn't it Etienne? No, I had subtitles on it. It was Tien. No, I'm almost 100% positive it's Etienne. It starts with an E. I guarantee you. It starts with a T. Because Tien, I don't think, is a real name. Etienne's French. No, and he it, has an accent. No, it, it's Tien. I'm absolutely 100% positive on this. I'll let you have Hellboy, but I'm almost 100% positive it's Etienne. I'm looking at it right now. Where's his fucking name? There's Harold. There's a lot of she, names. Okay, there's name. Etienne. Okay, yeah, whatever. I'm not eating. I'm not eating another fucking chip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Etienne is there. there. He grabs her shoulder. He's like. I'll walk you home. Like, he suddenly starts talking like a fucking serial kid. There's so many red herrings in this movie. This has got to be the world record breaker for most red herrings in a movie ever. <laughs> like, he ha- he has the leather glove on. All of his- Like, you- they they called attention to that. He, uh, he He's talking like a creep. And then uh, he knows where she lives. <laughs> yeah, which is the creepiest thing you can say to anyone, no matter what the situation. Especially when you're grabbing them in a graveyard in the middle of the night. <laughs> And then doesn't he go to her house too and like stalk her at her house? He steals her panties from her house. It's not she's not living in a frat house. Her she's living with her rich father, which they make a big point of this guy's making bank. So much money he can have a graveyard in his backyard. A graveyard with his ex well, do you consider an ex-wife if it's your dead wife? I don't think so. I'm still I don't know, maybe. Okay, well, well his dead wife is in that graveyard basically. You got to drive through it in order to get to his house, apparently. But there's like 20 graves. Like, who are these other people that are all buried in the house? His other wives. His previous wives. (laughs) Louis the 14th? (laughs) There we go. (laughs) We're getting historical with our references now. I don't even know if that's right. I assume that's right. I don't think... I don't know which Louis it is, but it was was a Louis Louis that did it. But there there are a lot of red herring characters because there's like two or three friends. And I say friends very loosely because none of them look like friends. None of them really seem like they like each other. But there's like two or three of the characters, the guys especially, that you go, he's got some murderish vibes. Oh, yeah. Alfred for sure. has. Alfred has definitely. A- I don't trust anyone that has a pet rat. Like, I don't care if you're a listener. I don't care if you've listened to us from the very first episode. If you have a pet rat, I don't trust you. There's something off. That something just doesn't add up right if you're carrying a pet rat around. If we're at the bar and you say, "Hey, here's my pet rat," I'm I'm leaving. I don't want anything to do with you. I liked Alfred. He seemed like, he reminded me of Arnie Cunningham from uh, Cuntingham from uh, Christine, but uh, he he was a little weird. But like up until his his huge red herring scene, and then he went right back to acting like a normal person afterwards. Yeah, he was a likable person, and the fact that they like lost his rat for a while and then they threw it in some stranger's beer as a prank was kind of fucked up. <laughs> Like, oh, I don't know, I dropped him, and this guy has the rat in his hand, and he's like, oh, watch this, I'm going to drown your rat in this guy's beer. That's what you get for having a rat as a pet, though. Like, that's the risk you take. 
it's fine. This isn't I, Ratatouille. I, I I like Willard. I I think uh, I like Willard too. Crispin, Glo- I know Crispin Glover's is actually one of the rare times that the remake is better than the original. Crispin Glover was a likable character. It was just like society fucked him up. I don't have a problem with people that uh that have rats as friends or rats as pet. Well, I should say rats as pets. If you have rats as friends, you're probably a serial killer or killing people with the rats. But if you have a rat, like I wanted a rat as a kid. Well, as a kid, I don't want one now. Do you want to name him Splinter? Yes, of course. <laughs> if you have a rat and you d- did not name it Splinter, you're a fucking psychopath. That that's where you're a psychopath. If you've done anything but that, but like Alfred seemed like well, until his red herring scene, and we get Bernadette's head on a pla- on on a table, literally and, on and a platter. <laughs> yeah, like Virginia had just had somebody break into her house, and she wasn't happy about it. But she has no problem breaking into alfred's house and looking around they find uh bernadette's head which it turns out to be a fake head but alfred's still doing that they all have this weird talk when they're like really hamming it up for the red herring they all start talking like this you wouldn't want me to kill you jesse like nobody talks like that in real life that's how serial killers talk in looney tunes but i it's again i love this it's it's stupid it's very fucking stupid but i love it well, and then Alfred, like, we talk about her head, like, being on the table there. This is, like, a perfect replica of someone's head, which is seems like it would be way beyond the scope of someone in Alfred's position. Like, he's still a student. Like, he's not a world-renowned professional martial or ma- martial artist, makeup effects artist. He's not a part of the Mission Impossible <laughs> uh, uh, force or what MI6. I think they're also called MI6. <laughs> And that's going to come into play later on in this. Like, it's li- it's literally perfect, like, to the point where, like, he rips out the glass eye or whatever it is to show them that, hey, it's a fake body. But, like, inside the glass eye, there's, like, tissue and stuff, like, in the eye socket. I was like, that still kind of looks like a real head to me. Yeah, they don't use, like, he he was known for taxidermy. And they don't use real eyes in taxidermy, so that could have still been her fucking head. And he just <laughs> took out the fake fucking eye and, like... The, the two women that didn't know better would have been like, oh, it's perfectly safe. He took out the eye, so that's not a problem. It was fake the entire time while the head's just riding on her on his fucking desk. But again, another red herring, another weird talking, because they do do that. And it, it's funny every time. Like, they try to make these people like, oh, this is a guess who. You're never going to guess who did it. And, like, if they would have just played the story, you know, straightforward without hamming it up in all these scenes, it probably still would have worked as far as, like, the guess who, who's our murderer aspect of it. But the fact that they wanted to go over the top and just give you, it could be this person, it could be this weirdo, it kind of works. I kind of like it. It's extra cheesy for no reason. We'll go into kills. I, I know we had teased uh, TN's kill. Etienne's kill. Etienne. Etienne, Etienne's kill. Uh, TN's a better name anyways. He'd appreciate that Etienne's kill, but we'll come back to it. But this red hairy thing was my favorite part of the movie, even more so than the kill. I think it was was his name Rudy in the in the bell tower who who did the quad. Oh yeah, work. this is the biggest Stupid. fucking red herring of the entire movie he's like starting out with doing his quasimodo i'm going to ring the the, the bell tower kind of weird impression which this was before the disney movie so i'm kind of impressed that they knew about uh <laughs> victor hugo's supposed masterpiece i've been meaning to read it for years i've never actually read it but uh victor <laughs> hugo's book so like he's referencing literature for a slasher movie and that's like okay very highbrow but highbrow here <laughs> and uh 
but then he starts going like, I want to cut down this uh, rope for the bell so the priest or whatever can't ring it right or whatever. I, for reasons I don't know. I don't know why he sounds like, let's cut off the rope for the bell. And then he's like, Virginia, I've got a knife. Come here, Virginia. And he starts, he blocks the fucking door. And then it ends up being a red hair. He's not the killer. He's not the killer. There was blood everywhere for reasons that they never explained because we never saw why there was, they just said that rope was really rough. So like you were so bad with cutting a rope that you bled all over the place. <laughs> like that was like his big thing. He's like, I'm going to cut the rope a little bit, not all the way through. It's like, why? Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? Like, are you hoping if the whole thing comes down and you smush a priest? Like, I'm unsure what his game plan is, was being all so creepy for. It was the most anticlimactic prank ever. Like, this priest is going to pull on the rope, and instead of ringing the bell, it's just going to fall down. Like, (laughs) okay. The rope fell down. The bell was still fucking up there. Yeah, that, that's stupid, ridiculous red herring. But the fact that he blocked the door for, for Virginia is the weirdest part. Like, And he's like, don't get away from me, Virginia. He pulls out the knife on her like, okay, this guy's the serial killer. But he's not. <laughs> but, I mean, it is a slasher movie. We got to get into some of these kills. I like the creativity on some of these kills. There's There's a couple of really fun ones. They're a little different than what we would normally get. Okay, you, you you saw Etienne's coming like straight away. As soon as you saw that big fucking scarf by the wheels of the of the motorbike or whatever, like Great. okay, they're gonna throw this in there. Even though I'm, I'm almost positive, there's no way that this would work out in real life. I think it would just get jam the fucking gears. I don't but, know. I hear uh, stories about people like getting gloves and stuff stuck in that, and it really? actually like taking their hands off. So there's I something could, to it. I don't know the science to it, but I know that there's something to it. I could be wrong. I'm not a scientist, but uh, it, it is cool. Like throw throw the f- huge fucking Doctor Who scarf into the into the bike wheel, and then like his face just goes up against the gears and gets eviscerated. It's a great kill. But the best part is while his face is up against it, rather than just let it happen, the killer goes to the gas and is just revving the bike up, which is awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's very, it's a very good kill. This, but he was like so entranced in his work. Like the killer is like practically putting their, I, I, well, I already gave the gender her, fa- her hand in front of his face, and then he's still like so focused on it that he doesn't notice. Like, there's no way that anybody has that zero awareness of the surroundings. But whatever, I don't give a fuck. It was a good kill. He didn't even get a chance to say, "Oh, it's you." She beat him he to the did. punch. He's the only one that did not get to say that. Which I wish, I wish he he would have just like gurgled it out as he was that. Oh, it's you! Like that would have been fantastic for me. And like we get obviously the weights. We talked about the weights. The weights is a great kill. That one's hilarious. The shish kebab. The shish kebab's on the cover, although they put a different name on the cover. But whatever, I don't give a oh, I didn't even notice that. I just said, I just remember the cover when I was doing the, the graphics for the episode. It's like, so-and-so will never eat another shish kebab. And I was like, okay. So I saw him eating, and I was like, okay, something's going to happen. Yeah, so as soon as you see the shish kebab skewer coming out, you're like, I've seen the cover. I know where this is going. They're just going <laughs> on about how spicy this shit is. And they don't know what spice is. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a one chip on there at all. But uh, 
that aside, like the seduction area on that was very kind of weird. She's like, I'm going to make this so hot for you. It's, it's like you being okay. naked would be hotter. Would it would have been more out of it going with it, but uh, whatever, it's fine. She's just really uh, entranced in the spice on that thing. And then she's feeding it to him, which can be sensual, but slam it in the, in the throat, which seems like that would be a pretty fucking horrible death. Terrible. Like, it's not the most graphic looking death, but it's implied in a way that really worked for me. So I kind of like this death, despite the fact that it they didn't really give like a great look at it. Yeah, we get those a couple of times where we don't really get the full kill. Like even in the bike scene, we get a little bit of blood and, you know, a quick like aftermath. And like anytime someone's throat slipped or something like that, we get... Just a very quick like slash, no bleeding out or anything like this. I was reading somewhere, I think it was probably Wikipedia because that's where we get 90% of our information apparently, where they were talking like the video got pulled, was it Australia or something like that? It pulled was the video, a video for its yeah. yeah. But that's because of the, the there isn't a lot of gore in this, but mm-hmm. the director still did want to like throw a bunch of blood onto the kills afterwards. So like you do see a lot of red. But it doesn't look like blood. It's so fucking no. bright. To the, it, it could almost be a giallo or gigolo film. <laughs> a gigolo film. It's it just a lot of fucking bright colors there. So like, I, I'm not sure how this got it on with the video nasties, but it did. But the director just loved to throw extra blood onto the sets, and that's that that made up to the for the gore for him. But like throwing Kool Aid on a body doesn't really like equal <laughs> gore for me. No. But I do like the implied kill, like the implied kill of like being stabbed with the skewer, like especially you trying to eat. First of all, that's why you never eat a skewer like that, just in general. Okay, I eat skewers like that all the fucking time. No, I mean, you put I, I, eat I, off I, I the skewer. Used, you eat off the skewer. Everybody eats off the skewer, but yeah. that was like a fucking metal skewer. All mine have been like those those cheap wooden skewers. So like, I mean, that would still hurt. It would still hurt, but uh, like, I don't think it's gonna stab me through the like. It's, I don't think it's going to kill me. I think it's going to like horribly wound me. I'd be like, what the fuck? Or I'd be like, I don't fuck, bitch. But that, that's about it. <laughs> so this one's kind of weird. I don't know where to jump back and forth. I'm going to jump back to the start because if I don't mention this now, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to it. We, you like gloss over the fact that they do this weird race thing. To me, that's the stupidest and just most like random out there way to tie this into the end of the movie. Like, they're at a bar. They're drinking. This is where he puts the the rat into this guy's beer. They get kicked out of the bar. And they're like, all right, let's play the game. And everyone's like, yeah, woo! And they like all get into each other's cars. And they just take off down the street. And apparently the game that they play is they're trying to jump the bridge. Which it seems really convenient that as soon as they get out of the, the bar, the bridge is already starting to go. Well, like that... That could happen. You're, you're, you're going with the counting the hits, ignoring the misses. Like occasionally when you get out of the bar, the bridge is going to be coming up. <laughs> but like this whole game involves them like driving over the gap in the bridge, which, you know, if you barely drive over it, it's not that big of a deal. But like the second car, like it's already like an eight, 10 foot drop down to the next thing. Like these kids cars, like do they just repair their car every time they play this stupid game? One guy fucking totals his car doing this. <laughs> and he gets 20 bucks. Like, yeah, he gets $20, but you now have $2,000 worth of front-end damage on your car. Like, where are these kids getting this money to continuously repair their car every time they play this stupid game? 
Like you shouldn't be doing that unless your car is Christina. It's gonna fix them, fix itself. <laughs> like that was, I, I love it. It's ridiculous, but it ties in with uh, Virginia's trauma, and we haven't gone into Virginia's trauma. Virginia <laughs> has lost her mom. That's why she's visiting her at the grave. And Virginia's mom, she she didn't come from wealth. She married into wealth, so she has like the inferiority complex. And for Virginia's birthday, she invited. The, all the top 10 people or whatever stupid and they they didn't end up going to her party because she wasn't a she was new in town or whatever i don't really understand this but uh because they they were new in town they didn't go they went into the cooler kids party or Anne's party which is gonna come into play later on in this and uh She's at the gate, like, screaming, like, you gotta let me in. I fucking drunk shit. I've been driving drunk and all this kind of crazy shit, and I'm so fucking wasted right now. And she's like, I'll suck your dick if you let me in this party right now. (laughs) Fuck you. Basically that. Basically, that's the gist of it. The gist of it. it. (laughs) uh, Nice. She she ends up not getting let into that party because, like... People like drunk girls at your, the party, but they don't like drunk girls coming to the party. So she was not appreciated. Her presence is not allowed there, despite the fact that she, there's some alleged history with Anne's family that's going to come into play later on in the dumbest way possible. But I want to tease that towards the end. Just like thinking the dumbest fucking possible thing in your head, and you haven't come up with how this movie ends. But but she ends up having to go over the bridge. But uh, because she's her drunk ass can't time things well, she gets stuck where her car can't jump over the bridge or move. Like her tires are gone, and her car ends up going in the water. Like at that point, like she was going on the bridge, she could have very easily kept going, and she would have made the gap, just like those other cars. She would add a little front end damage, not a big deal. She also could have stopped earlier, but she literally gets right to where the two bridges are parted, and just parks literally stops right in between where two wheels are on the one end and two end two wheels are on the other end and they're basically just stuck there until the bridge pulls apart and they go falling head over tail into the water this is why you don't drink or drive or drink and drive you can drink or drive but it's one one or the other just not at the same time But they go into the water. I don't even think her mom tried to get her seatbelt off. She's like, she was just so fucking wasted. She's like, I can't work this. Get out the fucking window. It's fine. Somebody will be down here eventually, but go up to the surface. So she drowns. But uh, Virginia kind of gets out of there, but she needs brain surgery or whatever. Because she she got some air, but not enough. I don't know. It, really it, weird. <laughs> that whole medical part is super weird. It doesn't make any sense. They don't even try to really explain it, <laughs> but it's yeah, fine. Yeah, because uh, she, she, they don't show her getting rescued out of the water, do they? I, I no. don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, as far as I can tell, she should have been able to get to the surface and been completely fine. Because who would be out by the water to save her in the fucking rainstorm or whatever? But uh, apparently she got saved. But brain damage she she's getting surgery on her brain and saved in an experimental surgery that's uh uh giving her flashbacks because she can't remember it, the whole thing and it makes you think that maybe this is going to come into play later but the surgery has nothing to do with fucking anything it's just nope. another red hair although i'm just going to tell you right off the bat the surgery was going to play into it a lot more all those flashbacks that meant fucking nothing were in the original script were going to play into it a lot more it was Towards the end, they're like, this doesn't seem dramatic enough, so we're going to go a whole different direction. And, and like the twist at the end that makes no fucking sense, it's because studios are like, this isn't 
climatic enough. So let's make it bigger. That makes a lot more sense because none of those things made any sense in the grand scheme of this movie. Because there's a point where Virginia's the killer. When Alfred gets stabbed in the gut, you're looking at Virginia stabbing Alfred in the gut. But guess what? The original plot was she was possessed by her dead mom's spirit. And that's why she was killing all those people because they didn't come to her daughter's birthday party. And so much of the script and so much of what was filmed backs up that. And virtually nothing backs up what happens at the end. That blows my mind because that makes so much more sense. Not the fact that you'd be possessed with her mom, but the whole the fact that they kept bringing that up because they kept bringing her mom up. They kept having these flashbacks of the stuff that happened and this and that, which in the finished product that we get really is inconsequential. It really it's doesn't tie into anything. And then like the last like 10 minutes of the movie, they go, OK, let's go ahead and just not only start this portion of the plot, we'll go ahead and just tie it all together in a matter of five minutes of dialogue. So like everything leading up to the last 10 minutes of this movie is very much inconsequential to the grand scheme of things. Before we go into the final 10 minutes of the movie, I want to talk about Glenn Ford, her fair, her therapist Faraday, who seemed a little bit too close to his patient. A little creepy. Yeah. Well, the also, dad was a little creepy too. I'm just gonna say that the the dad like in that first like scene where she's like, "No, you didn't tell me that I couldn't go visit mom at the graveyard or whatever." Like he's very creepy vibes. I don't know if that was an intentional red herring, but the dad every, definitely had some creepy vibes. Was an intentional red herring. They might as well have been throwing fish at this cast because <laughs> this is this script is like 99% red herrings. But like Glenn Ford. Uh, that's uh, Jonathan Kent from the Superman movies. If you don't know who it is, he did not want to be in this fucking movie. He thought he, like, he was, he was uh, lowering himself to such. So like, if he seemed like he was a little disheveled and drunk, uh, he was, that wasn't an <laughs> acting choice, which he, you never see him take a drink in the movie. So like, it'd be interesting if that was supposed to be a character plot point that was cut out, which after hearing about Virginia's plot point that was cut out, it makes sense. But like, He's coming over to her birthday party. Well, birthday celebrate. It's, it's not really a party. Not a He's party. He's coming that over to her birthday of. celebration. And Beautiful Land. We barely talked about Beautiful Land. Like she, she's my favorite character in this movie just because of, oh, I don't really, other than the end, I don't really think she does all that much. But holy crap, that's a beautiful 80s woman. But never, <laughs> never naked. But apparently she drowns in, a, in her bathtub at one point, And that's why her therapist comes over. But, the, <laughs> but, uh, the body's not there. Uh, she has a weird fucking toilet in there. It looked yeah, really like it was, like you, you saw that too. Like, was it a bidet? Did she have a bidet? Is that like, I know this movie was. Did they have bidets in the eighties? This is a, this is a Canadian movie. This is called a Canuck exploitation film. So I'm wondering like, maybe that wasn't, cause there were, there were faucets on that toilet in the background. Like, I'm like, I kept looking at that. Like, what the fuck's going on here? I can't shit in that, but I'm wondering <laughs> if, if it was a bidet back there. It might've been, I don't know. I, I, if we have any Canadian listeners, you know, fill us in on what your bathroom situation look like, but like you see the body in there, but maybe that's an Alfred thing, whatever, uh, kind of giving something away. But like when, uh, she brings Faraday, drunk ass Glenn Ford into there who apparently I heard punch somebody on the set. So like he might've been like belligerent. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say belligerent while I'm drunk. And apparently while being he, belligerent. Was, he, was, he was being belligerently drunk. 
and uh, not not great to work with. He punched somebody, but he he came across well on the screen. He was the best actor in the movie, despite I don't think he gave a shit about this entire production. But uh, he comes over to her house. Then there's nobody there. There's no flooding of the fucking bathroom anymore. And uh, he's just going to keep an eye on her, which I don't think any therapist is making house calls unless this therapist is like breaking some ethical rules and he's trying to bone <laughs> that chick. And, and we never see that that scene, but I, it's kind of just implied like him and Virginia fucked. <laughs> so did she really have water everywhere? Or was that all like a figment of her imagination? It had to be a figment of her imagination. I flooded a bathtub once uh, on a vacation with my wife. We stayed at this bed and breakfast and it was like, like an old school bathtub. So like one of those like big, like Venetian tubs, like that you see in like the fifties and sixties movies. I 100% flooded that while I was taking a shower. Uh, I was trying to clean it up because me and my wife were like, you know, we were still new and I was like, I'm going to clean this up. I don't want her to know that I flooded this very expensive bathroom that we're staying at. I went through like four towels and still had the whole bathroom flooded. So yeah. there's no way she had time to clean that up. I, I don't know how long it took. If he took like days to come over there and like we just didn't get the <laughs> She just stayed in the room. <laughs> she was just walking back and forth screaming, I killed her. I killed her. Because that was while she like while the, the body appears there while she's blacking out and dreaming about her fucking mother. Anne was recently outside and now Anne's drowned in the tub. When she comes to, but it, it didn't make any fucking sense. I don't give a fuck. It was just interesting. So, uh, Glenn Ford decides to spend the night after I'm going to say that he fucked her. She starts to like get upset about shit, gets angry, leaves the room. And then you start getting the first person perspective, but we've already seen this killer kill Alfred and it was Virginia at the time. So why are we getting the first person perspective with the fire, uh, <laughs> fireplace poker or whatever? our favorite here at the bloody good film podcast we we did talk about it on slumber party massacre although this one did look like it was a little bit sturdier than it was the a sturdy slumber poker Ma- yeah slumber party massacre one which very much looked like rubber but glenn ford ends up getting fucking killed but there's blood all over the fucking place i mean everywhere I, i've been i've had a head wound before and it bleeds a lot but it doesn't bleed I well, i've never had my brains crushed in but i don't think it still <laughs> bleed quite that much but He's fucking dead, and he, I think he's happy about it because he doesn't have to do any more acting <laughs> on the slasher. They probably filmed that on like the second day. They're like, dude, he's like, just kill me now and get me off of the set. I mean, he doesn't have the the most screen time in the movie, but uh, he, he, I still think he was the best actor in this entire thing. He's the only one that never really came up as a red herring. Like maybe he was supposed to, maybe he was supposed to be doing her therapy sessions with like, what else happened, Virginia kind of voice. But uh, he does, he doesn't do that. He he talks like a well, a normal person with a cool ass fucking voice the entire movie. <laughs> but yeah, he's dead, and then that kind of brings us into our final climax of the movie. And we, we get the climax from her father had been on a business. Virginia's father had been on a business trip. He's finally coming home and like there's blood and shit in the house. And like, he's trying to investigate. He's freaking out. He needs to find Virginia. He goes out in the graveyard. One of the top 10 is just like in the graveyard with a gift for some reason. We never really address that, but they keep going. Is I thought it was Faraday. Is Faraday not the one that was in the grave? No, no, there was a living woman. Faraday is in the grave, but there's a, a the blonde chick. I can't remember her name. She's just in the graveyard holding a gift. 
And oh, like, right. And the father's like, okay, this is their birthday. <laughs> Do you know where the house is? And then, and then he finds Faraday's body, and that's when he freaks out some more because then there's some serious fucking shit. Yeah, that's what I was. That 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 did happen. And then, uh, whose house was it that he ends up going into afterwards? Is there's like a house by the graveyard that apparently the birthday party is going to be happening. Is it like that? Is it like a, the community like, rec room or something? Yeah, it's like their back house. They, they just have like a set, like a visitor's cottage. Like, they, haven't yeah, taking, have they haven't been taking care of it. There's cobwebs fucking everywhere. <laughs> My favorite part of the movie is like, they get into that room and they're everyone of the 10 that is dead is now, I think it's six people. They say, yeah, they are all like arranged around a table and you know, there's cake, full-on party thing and then all of a sudden you see her exhumed mom at sitting at the table with him it's so awesome it's just such like a random thing like you would never expect like her exhumed body just to be sitting there at the table and it's all gooped up somebody watched psycho before they watched this movie or before they made this movie and and like you kind of figured the body might come out because faraday was in her grave so like yeah the body's gonna be somewhere and then uh, uh, Virginia comes out holding the cake, does like the happy birthday. She's acting like a crazy lady now. Her father's all like, oh, what did we do to you? It has to be the brain surgery that we <laughs> used to save your life. Made you a crazy person. He's like, what have I done? It was the only thing. And then she slashes her father across the throat. And this is when it gets really fucking stupid. And this is when I really fucking love the movie. There's a <laughs> There's a head that's on the table and it's like, looks like it's a dead body lifts it up holy shit virginia lifts up virginia's head bum, bum, bum. it's like the spider-man meme they're pointing at each other <laughs> exactly and, and then it's just like okay this is an evil twin movie virginia has an evil twin and the evil twins going off on her on her and then virginia grabs up her face and this face that had been perfectly fine making out with uh Steve, before he gets a skewer to the face, comes off with like some slap of the wrist on on the face, and then it turns out it's a fucking Mission Impossible mask, and it was beautiful and the entire time. <laughs> the mask is so like perfectly like again like sh- you assuming it's Alfred that made it. I don't know if they outright said it, but based on Alfred's yeah. amazing skills uh, with the head earlier on in the movie, he makes like a full on modern like spy level mask the technology for that doesn't exist today because it, it's still her fucking bone structure it's just throwing like a mask over it apparently skin tight mask that looks just like virginia over it and and the whole thing is the reason why her mother was so distraught about the the top 10 and like uh they're not going to the party and she was supposed to be hanging out with that social elite was because she was the mistress of Anne's father what? Bum, bum, bum. It makes so much sense. Not really, but let's just go with it. So Virginia and Anne are half sisters, which honestly, looking at the actresses, I can believe that if yeah, there was bad. a little bit of setup for it, but there isn't. <laughs> and like the fucking ridiculous best. Uh, but uh, she, uh, she's about to kill Virginia. Virginia seems to be like weak as a kitten this entire time. And then suddenly it comes <laughs> to the final blow and, and Virginia is able to kill and just in time for the police to come and make it look like she killed everybody. It's my favorite. I love that trope of, oh my gosh, she really only killed the killer that had killed everyone else. But 
The only person that we see getting killed when the cops get there is her killing Anne. I don't know. I've always thought that was a fun, kind of stupid twist, but it, it always works for me when they do it in movies. In this movie, it was really fucking stupid, but I don't care. This, this whole movie's ridiculous, but uh, let, let's just go into it. Jesse, is Happy Birthday to Me a bloody good film? I kind of didn't know where to put this one for a little while because it is all over the place. So like stupid, like from a movie standpoint, like there's a lot of stupid stuff that goes on, but the stupidity reached a point to me where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in with it now. Like I'm in with the stupidity, like the balance of the unnecessary monologues for every character, the unnecessary red herrings where they make every single person in this friends group appear to be a murderer which seems like an awful dynamic for a friends group (laughs) they probably all were killers they just never got around to showing everybody else's kills (laughs) like the stupid race the stupid flashbacks like this weird brain surgery that has nothing to do with anything and like at the end when they did the mission impossible face mask ripoff I was like, okay, I'm sold. I, I was kind of on the fence. I was like, this is okay. I'm enjoying it. I never felt bored. The kills are creative. I like the kills. For the most part, almost every kill is pretty good. They were all well-earned. You know, we don't get a ton of gore, but we get enough to know what's going on, and that works for me enough in this movie. The final twist, where it's just so ridiculous, so out of left field, so unset up, undeserving, the fact that they were willing just to throw it in there at the end and just be like, this is our movie now. I was like, okay, your audacity to set up all these red herrings that literally have nothing to do with the final five minutes of this movie. It's fun. It, it's stupid fun. And that's the only way I can describe this movie is it doesn't work. It's not smart. It's not well written. It's not well acted. It's not well thought out or well planned. But somehow all that stupidity is fun. So it's not a great slasher. It's not going to jump up to, you know, my list of favorite slashers or anything like that. But it was a fun 80s stupid slasher. So since bloody fun film isn't something that I normally say, I'm going to say it's a bloody good film. I, I think we're going to be on the, the same level. This is what the podcast was named for. This is a bloody good film. Like we haven't even mentioned one of the most ridiculous things i almost completely forgot but i'd be remiss if i didn't bring it up the part in the the classroom where they're playing with electricity and the <laughs> professor's head hair is going all fucking so crazy stupid. and he's like the great thing about electricity is you can conduct it or throw it or whatever the fuck he says i can't remember because i'm a little buzz and uh, you, you get like the the cheap ass lightning bolt coming from his finger into Rudy's <laughs> face. And I just love it. Like this whole movie's fucking stupid. It, it, it none, nothing makes sense. People don't act like this in real life, but uh, it, it was what this podcast was named for is it a, it's not a bloody great film. It is definitely a bloody good film. Yeah. The whole reason we started this podcast was to do movies like this, that, are kind of stupid that are kind of dumb that you know not a lot of people may have seen that a lot of people have seen and gone that was the dumbest movie of all time like we love these types of movies where they don't have to make sense like everything doesn't have to tie together if there's enough like over the top fun stuff or if the kills are good enough or if there's like something redeeming about it like i love these movies i love covering movies like this I think the the worst criticism I'd say for this movie, there's no reason for this to be almost two hours long. I no, think it's like an it's hour a, and 47 It's a minutes. little long. Cut, cut it off until 90 minutes. 
and then you get like yourself. I, th- I think if they 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 cut it up to just like ninety minutes, you'd have a bloody great film here because the pacing is just a little bit off for this. Other than that, bloody good film. I would absolutely rewatch this one. So, do you think if they would have went with the original thought out ending with her being possessed by her dead mother, and that's the reason she was killing everybody? Do you think that would have been a better film? Or do you think it would have been a worse film because we don't get that ridiculous, over-the-top, stupid turn that we get at the end of the movie? I honestly think both would work for me because I I enjoy the ridiculousness, but there's still some ridiculousness in in a girl getting possessed by her mother's spirit. So, like, both of them, both of them work for me. I I think it would have been more coherent if they went with the original script. And like, there's also like apparently some characterization with Alfred that was left behind that made him like a little bit more uh, sympathetic and stuff like that on the original script. Don't need it. I'm I'm fine with the movie as is, but I I wouldn't hate the original ending. Yeah. I'm glad we did this one. This is kind of a fun one. And I'm glad we've been spoiled lately with like a run of just, really really good movies movies. like we've done thankful for action november like we just hit it was banger after banger with as far as like classics and just great movies and then with horror tober too with like malignant and some of the stuff that we did there like those are great movies so i'm glad we did something that's not you know classically great like some of the other movies that we've been doing and kind of got back to some of these like one-off ones that may not be for everyone and may not be classically great but it's still a fun and bloody good movie yeah but i think next week we're gonna go into something a little bit more traditionally awesome uh what are we gonna be talking about next week jesse so every year there's always like a facebook post that goes around people share the same stuff every year when we get around december and it's always the same question is die hard considered a christmas movie yes the answer is 100 yes But what doesn't get shared and passed around a lot is, is Lethal Weapon a Christmas movie? Yes, also. It also 100% is a Christmas movie. So now that we are in December, we mentioned all the great December horror. These are the two great December action movies. So it's only fitting that we cover them both and see who Jingle Bell rocks a little bit harder between Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. All right, we will go further into the details, but we're going to have a bet on the next episode of which is the better Christmas movie, Lethal Weapon or Die Hard? It's definitely Die Hard. It's definitely Lethal Weapon. Time to roll the credits. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Bloody Good Film Podcast to stay up to date with everything podcast related and to let us know what you think about some of these films that we watch each and every week. As always, big thank you to Soul Grinder for our intro and outro. If you haven't yet, make sure you guys go give their pages a follow at Soul Grinder Official and at Merrillgate. For myself and Josh, this has been the Bloody Good Film Podcast. And remember, be bloody buddies. Oh, no, no, no.